This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, y'all, and welcome to Horsin' Around. Saddle up and get ready to have a darn tootin', gallopin' good time as we trot out the show that's your ultimate horse source, of course. Find out how to use good old horse sense when it comes to breeding, feeding, training, and explaining. From practical tips on caring for your horse's health to advice on how to buy horse supplies, including bridles, halters, saddles, and more. So get ready to start horsing around with your host, horse expert and award-winning rider, Audrey Pavia. Howdy, Audrey. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Horsing Around on PetLifeRadio.com. Thanks for joining us. This week, our guest is Melanie Weir, Vice President of the Ride and Tie Association. Melanie's going to tell us about the exciting sport of ride and tie, where two humans and one horse compete as a team on the trail. We'll be right back with Melanie after these messages. Why the long face? I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly, here's your dinner. <laughs> Zeus, that's not your food. Don't let that happen to your precious cat. Elevate your cat's eating experience with the Cat Tree Tray. The Cat Tree Tray keeps your cat's food off the floor and conveniently located on the cat tree. It's the perfect way to eat. It's a beautiful wrought iron tray that easily attaches to your cat tree and keeps dogs and other critters out of your cat's dish. A must for multi-pet households. There's a 6-inch tray for large bowls and a 4-inch tray for smaller bowls. Purchase your Cat Tree Tray today. Go right now to CatTreeTray.com. That's CatTreeTray.com. C-A-T-T-R-E-E-T-R-A-Y.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia, and today we are talking to Ride and Tie Association Vice President, Melanie Weir. Hi, Melanie. Welcome to the show. Hi, Audrey. Hi. First off, I, I have a feeling a lot of our listeners have not heard of Ride and Tie. Can you explain exactly what it is and how it works? You bet. Uh, Ride and Tie is a sport where teams consisting of two humans and one horse compete against each other over a cross-country course, most typically found in mountains or in desert areas. And how it works is one person will start on the horse and the other person on the ground. And everyone starts, all the teams start at the same time, and the people with the horses will move out faster than the runners. Of course, the horse is faster. So after a certain distance, for example, maybe three-quarters of a mile or even a mile, uh, who has the horse will stop, uh, get off that horse, tie him up to a tree, and leave the horse standing there and take off running. Meanwhile, you know, the horse gets a bit of a rest, and after a little while, the partner or the runner comes along, unties that horse, gets on, and chases down the, fir- the, the, the runner who's now gotten out ahead. And so when the rider then gets to the runner, they may decide to exchange right there, or perhaps they'll decide not to, and, and whoever has the horse will continue ahead and find a tree to tie the horse to, and they'll just continue that leapfrog approach throughout the entire course. So it's kind of like a relay. It's kind of like a relay. We often refer to it as a leapfrog, but yes, it's the same idea. 
Uh-huh. And once all three team members cross the finish line, then they have completed as a team. Okay, and how long are the races typically? What's the mileage? Uh, they will start in at 20 miles, and they go up to 100 miles. But okay. most of the races, up to 100 miles, and they'd be, you know, that would be done within a day. Most races, though, most race directors will have shorter courses available for people who don't want to tackle, you know, those longer distances, anywhere from they might have 10 or 15 mile distances as well, even if they're not a full riding time. So mm-hmm. they're good for training and good for new people. Okay. Are there age divisions within the sport? There, yes and no. There, there are um, in our championship event. You know, once each year we have what we refer to as our world championship race. And in that, we do have um, certain kind of age division in, in that you have a century in the saddle division where the two runners, their ages add up to at least 100 years. Mm-hmm. And then they have like a century plus 10, century plus 20 um, age division. But otherwise, generally, the divisions are by gender. So you have man-man division, man-woman, and um, man, uh, what do I say? Man-man, man-woman, and uh, woman-woman division. Okay. How about the horse? Does the horse have to be a certain age to participate? They'd have to be at least five years old to participate in a, um, in a, like a sanctioned ride and tie of at least 20 miles. They do have mm-hmm. to be at least five years old. And how long does it take, like typically a 20-mile ride, how long does that, does that last? You know, that is going to really depend on a number of factors. It will depend on the terrain. Um, really steep or rocky terrain is slower, of course. Also depends on the weather. Um, and also depends on the team. You know, not all teams are are equally fast. So, a, you know, a winning team on a 20-mile uh, ride and tie might be done in less than three hours. Um, but you may have teams out there for four hours or even longer on that same course. And are there, like, um, lunch a lunch break or any kind of breaks like that? There are no formal breaks um, per se, but all races will have a veterinary, at least one veterinary checkpoint where the horse is um, checked out by a veterinarian and cannot continue um, until, until the horse passes. Um, but there's no amount of time to wait at that vet check. It's mm-hmm. just the horse, the horse meets certain criteria in terms of its, its heart rate, for example, and its respiration. It does have to meet certain criteria before it can continue, and it has to also pass the check. But um, once that's done, they may continue. Although, you know, people, teams are free to break if they, if they choose to. Okay, so I guess um, basically because of the nature of the sport, the horse gets to rest periodically anyway. Most uh-huh. teams will try to strategize you know, when they come in to the vet check so that the horse has time while there to eat and drink and rest a little bit. So, and the runners would be out on the course while the horse is resting in the vet check. So you Mm -hmm. try to do that as best you can, although if you don't know the course really well, it's it's much more difficult to do that. Right. What's the start of the race like? I know in endurance rides, it can be, you know, all the horses kind of take off at once. It could be pretty crazy. Is it the same with ride and tie? It can be pretty crazy. Um, ride and tie events are most are, are quite a bit smaller than most endurance rides. However, you have the, um, the added complexity of having a group of runners on the ground, and so usually, most typically, you'll see the runners sort of standing in one area and the horses in another. And um, but it can it can get sort of crazy, and they try to have lots of room at the start so that people can mm-hmm. have time to spread out. Um, and every now and then you will see a controlled start, even at a ride and tie, but it's not as common. How does it work as far as the pacing? 
I do comparative trail riding, like nature track riding. So I know, you know, we're always worried about the pace. How do you pace your horse when you know that you have a runner that needs to basically get caught up? You know, it's how teams will do that is going to depend a whole lot on the strengths of the team. Uh-huh. So it's it's a hard question to answer in any simple pat you know format, right. because you know you may have um, if if I'm partnered with a really fast runner, actually what I have found is I actually have a hard time catching him. Oftentimes, you know, runners will be much faster on the downhill, and it is not uncommon for a runner to actually outrun the horse. You hmm. know, just get so far ahead on something, maybe because the terrain is very technical, or there's a long downhill, and the horse just is not going, or the rider is not going to take the horse as quickly. That is one of the reasons why there is a forced exchange at the vet check. So, in okay. the event that the runner gets into the vet check first, which you really hope doesn't happen, but if it does, that runner has to wait. But so, you know, you you've learned that with your partner um, on what works, and um, I know for me, I use time just in usually minutes to see how long. I know if I'm on the ground more than a few minutes, it's really too long for me. I'm a slow runner, so. Um, and we'll just talk about that. You just communicate with your partner. Okay, that tie was too long. I was on the ground too long. Or mm-hmm. if, I, if I untie the horse and I catch my partner in about 30 seconds, that was, it was not long enough. That's, we, need, mm-hmm. we need to get it spaced out more. So that's really how you adjust just more by, um, by feeling it out. And on a long hill, you're going to exchange a lot more. Because, right. you know, you're not going to have long runs and that horse is going to catch the runner really quickly. So right. it's just one of those things that it depends a lot on your team strengths and it depends a lot on your terrain. Do teams typically practice, they'll do a practice race on their own as part of their training? Not usually. Usually the, for, for most people with, who are experienced, you do your running training separately from your horse conditioning. Mm-hmm. Um, we usually only do practices to introduce new people to the sport and to introduce new horses to the sport. So you have some time to get that idea, um, get a little training before having to experience it in an actual event. It's really helpful for horses. Right. How many teams are typically uh, at, you know, compete in an event? They can, that can vary really widely. Um, back east, we have some races that might only have um, two or three teams, where in our championship we'll usually have somewhere around 30, 35 teams. That's our biggest event. Um, mm-hmm. And then some of the local races might have, have 10 or so. So most of them are pretty small, especially compared to an endurance ride or something like that. And the sport is held all over the country. I know it's pretty popular in California where we both are. Do you see a lot of it on, on the East Coast and the Midwest? Uh, unfortunately, there's not a lot in the Midwest. Um, we would really like to see that change, but we need to have some folks, you know, really try to get it going there. Back east, there are quite a few races that, that we have. I think it, they're a little bit smaller than the events that we see here on the West Coast, but they but they are quite active, actually. I wonder if, uh, just uh, off the top of my head, it's just occurred to me, I wonder if their times are a lot faster out there because they don't have as much mountainous terrain as we do. To tell you the truth, I've not analyzed that. I would have to look at it. Yeah, I was just that just occurred to me because I know um, some it's people possible. I know who yeah who live in in areas where we don't have as many as much hilly terrain as we do here in California. Their their training and their 
Yeah, the whole they might be contending different. with a little bit more humidity, though, too. So That's true, yeah. Which that is, is a different true. factor. So it's a good, but it's an excellent point because you're right. That I mean, that has a big difference on the time. So what kind of horse is best suited to ride in Taina? You know, in endurance, we see mostly Arabs. You will see mostly Arabs or um, Arabian crosses. They, they will be the most commonly used horse because they are very good at endurance, as you say. They're sure-footed, and they're typically small. Not always, of course, but they're typically fairly small. And a small horse is preferred by most participants simply because it can get really tiring getting on and off a horse repeatedly hour after hour. Mm-hmm. So, um, Especially if you're short, like I am. I'm really short. And my Arab is actually not all that short. And he mm-hmm. grows. It seems like he gets taller and taller as the race goes on. <laughs> I'll <And> bet. So, <laughs> it really makes a difference. So, But that said, I've seen all sorts of horses do ride and tie. I've seen thoroughbreds. I've seen quarter horses, Tennessee walkers, Pasifinos, Mustangs. And I've actually even been communicating with a woman who owns a Percheron, and she would like to try it. She has a jumping hmm. Percheron. I, it, I've seen some pictures of them, and it's pretty amazing. Um She'll need a tall partner, and um, I am yeah. not aware of any other Pertrons who tried it, and you know, I would imagine she'd be trying a short course. That brings to mind how important is the speed of the horse in ride and tie? It depends on if you, much in the same with, with running, it depends on what your goals are. It's not too important if you're out there to have a good time and, and just to enjoy, you know, and, and enjoy the sport and enjoy um, being out on the trails on a beautiful day. If you're wanting to win, you know, having a fit and fast and very sound horse is, is important. And just like if you want to win, being a fast runner is very important. But otherwise, if you just want to enjoy the sport and participate in it, it's not too important to have a fast horse. It's important to have a sound horse. When I think of a draft horse, I mean, I, I don't know if um, maybe there's draft people out there who would disagree with me, but I don't typically think of them as built for a long-distance racing. No, I don't think they are. And that's why, like I said, as far as I know, I've never seen I've never seen a draft horse in ride and tie. I have seen one draft horse. I don't know its breeding, but I've seen one doing limited-distance rides in endurance. Mm-hmm. So I know it's possible, but it's mm-hmm. going to be an unusual I think, an unusual and very exceptional horse. Right. Maybe more likely with a draft cross rather than a pure draft. But Yes, quite possibly. Yeah. So how do you prepare a horse to compete in ride and tie? What's involved in the training? It, it will look very similar to what you see in endurance. Um, it's, they need to be conditioned just like the humans do for the sport. Um, and there are many different ways to do it. Ask any endurance rider or anybody who does any track rides. There are a lot of ways. But it's but we generally do a lot of trail riding. I know for me, I try to get my horses out at least three times a week. Long, slow distance is important. And um, especially when first starting out, you know, you want to bring a horse along pretty slowly and work up to greater distances and greater speed to avoid injuries. And, um, you know, after a while, you can, we can do some faster rides and, and faster conditioning and steeper rides and, and start adding even more distance. Quite a few people will use um, endurance rides to keep the ride to horses fit because mm-hmm. it is a good way to do it and get them exposed to, um, to different types of events and different distances. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk more to Melanie about ride and tie. We'll be right back after these messages. Why the long face? <laughs> I reckon horsing around will be back in the saddle right after we round up a few words from our sponsors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. We know you're chomping at the bit to hear more horsing around. Well, we're back on the trail. So park yourself over yonder and set a spell. You ain't heard nothing yet. Welcome back to Horsing Around. I'm your host, Audrey Pavia. And today we are talking to Ride and Tie Association Vice President, Melanie Weir. Melanie, how do you train yourself? I mean, most of our listeners are avid riders, but if you're talking about running, that's a whole other thing for us. I, uh, I understand. <laughs> um, how much we train is going to depend a lot on how competitive we want to be. Um, most of us do some hiking or running to get in shape or stay in shape. Uh, what I do today is I, I do trail runs about four days a week, and I do like to enter um, trail races and compete a little bit to run. And um, But what's really important for people to know is that you do not have to be a runner to do ride and tie. Um, I didn't run at all when I first started. Um, it is important to be able to ride. That is the most important thing, and to be able to ride a horse well and comfortably and to be able to get on and off the horse. But if you can hike, you can do the sport. So being a strong or fast runner is really a secondary issue unless you want to win. But that said, when I started out, I didn't run at all. We used to joke that my team, we were the poster children for the sport because I did not run, my partner did not ride, and my horse did not tie. And, you know, <laughs> we went on as a team to get a couple of team, you know, annual high point awards because we just did a lot of events and we finished them. We didn't right. finish fast necessarily, but we finished. And, and you know, since then, it's changed, and I actually run quite a lot now. But um, I'm still not fast, and I'll still never win. <laughs> and that's okay. That's okay. Can you walk the race? You can walk the race. I've walked lots of them, especially the hills. Um, It gets tiring, you know, and it's hot and it's sunny and you're on a steep hill. Um, I I will walk. You'll see quite a few people walking. And again, Mm -hmm. if you're trying to win, it's a different story. But most of us out there are not trying to win. And so it's really important to understand not to be intimidated by running skill or perceived lack of it. So you basically can walk the whole thing if you want. Is there a maximum time you're allowed or as long as you finish with a sound horse, I guess, that's enough? Yeah, as long as you finish with the sound horse, there there really are not any time limits. I, I think there hasn't been a real need to apply any time limits to ride and tie. So again, if you're not a great runner, you always can find a partner who is. And if that happens, what will, you know, a typical event, what will happen is the person who's the slower runner will, by definition, be on the horse more of the time. Just because as you're going down the trail, if I'm on the, if I'm a slow runner and I'm on the ground for 10 minutes, I'm not going to cover as much, as many miles as my partner will. But when I'm on the horse for 10 minutes, I may cover more. So I'm going to be 
I'm spending more time on the horse. My faster partner will be spending more time on the ground and you will want to do it that way because as mm-hmm. a team, that gets us through the course faster and that's part of your strategy and how, um, on how you want to move your team. Your objective is to get your team across as fast as possible. So, mm-hmm. um, or, and it can even be if I'm a really good downhill runner but not a very good uphill runner, you can build your strategy around that as well. So give the strong downhill runner the downhills. And, um, and and vice versa, and you can help your team move more quickly. So do people, uh, typically the horses trot most of the race? Canter, um, uh-huh. when, it's, when it's safe to do so, and the footing's good. So you'll see mostly trotting and cantering. Mm-hmm. Okay. So to be able to, well, I, I seem to be fixated on trying to keep up with the horse. So I'm a little thrown by the fact that you said sometimes the horse can't keep up with the runner. But I'm wondering, how do you, yeah, that's, it's hard to wrap my mind around that. How do you, like, if you were going to advise somebody to condition themselves for this sport, the runner, what would you recommend they, how would they start? I would usually recommend to plan on starting a, um, you know, to consider a short course to be to be to start out with, just if they have any concerns at all. And again, they may not be too concerned if they've got a fast partner or a strong a partner who's a strong runner. But just to start out, even just getting on and out and doing some hiking. You know, it would depend a little bit on their background. If they've done a little bit of running versus none at all, um, but it, let's say they've done none at all, I'd say just get out on some local trails or even um, even in your local neighborhood and just start hiking and, or jogging just a little bit, um, even if it's just working your way up to a couple of miles each time and doing that a few times a week will at least get you started. And then um, if you're like me, who didn't do any running <laughs> prior to doing my first ride and tie, what I found is at the end of my first ride and tie, I said, wow, if I just conditioned myself a little, it would be helpful. And so um, I did. I started just going out on the local trails and um, doing some hiking and a little jogging. And for me also, I, I signed up with an organization called Team and Training that raises money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. And I started training with them. And that's what they do. They hook you up with the team. And it's a fundraising event for them. But they, um, that found for me that was a really good way to build the habit of running, and that's really what that was, what was so important about that for me. Um, mm-hmm. And that doesn't work for everybody, but I found that a good way to just get that start, get that started, and get the get the habit. And so now today I run on my own because I like it, not because I'm training for anything in particular. Right. Then a twenty mile ride. If you have uh, one person who's stronger in the saddle and the other person who's stronger on the ground, how many miles would the runner have to do? Of those 20 miles? If, again, it will depend just on how it does not have to be split equally. The only rules, there are very few rules in Ride and Tie, I think 19 at last check, um, but the only rules about switching during an event are that you need to switch at least twice between veterinary checkpoints and at least six times throughout the course of the entire race. Other than that, how long each is on the ground and how long the other is on the saddle is completely up to the team. Okay. So there are no, you know, you might, if you run about the same pace, typically you'll, you'll each run about 10 miles. But as the, but the faster runner, you know, from that point, you know, the faster runner will start to run more and the slower runner would be running less. So maybe the faster runner might do, you know, 14 of the miles, for example, and the other one might only do six. It mm-hmm. just depends on how, and how that ends up working out for them. But there are no rules about it. 
Okay. You said earlier that you're, you had a horse that wouldn't tie. Uh, tell me what that means. Oh, for him, I have a, I have a horse that has, um, he generally is a pretty good boy, but every now and then if something gets him to set back against the rope, once, once mm-hmm. he hits the end of his rope, he will pull until something breaks. And he's mm-hmm. broken many halters. And I um, was not convinced that he would be a good ride tie horse. And in, yeah. I'm not sure how many events he's done, but he's finished five championships and probably, I don't know, another 14, 15 other races um, in, his, in his time. And not once have we had an issue during mm. a ride tie. Okay. So, so you've, never, you've never gotten to your point where you're supposed to pick him up and he's not there? <laughs> not has not happened. I have, I have run by him mistakenly that's uh-huh. one of the things it's one of the funny things that can happen in a ride and tie and you wouldn't think it would be possible to pass your own horse but i can speak from experience it is and um, that's really a mess because then you've got your horse behind both of the runners oh, and the yeah. runners going on down the trail and by the time you figure out you've made the mistake it's really hard to fix um, right so you you don't know in I advance it, where yeah. a horse is going to be so well you don't know in advance and then that was just one of those things and I never thought I would do it but I certainly did and so I actually sent uh, this is at a championship in Libby Montana and I um, a woman from the Canadian team passed me and I asked her when she gets to the guy with the black helmet would she um, <laughs> send him back <laughs> and tell him that Melanie doesn't have the horse and sure enough he came running back and I told him he kept on going until he found the horse and the horse uh-huh. is still there you may have to tie some way f- from the trail then some, well, you, and it's, especially if it's a single track, you need to tie off the trail, of course, because you yeah. need to allow other teams to get by safely. So, and that was what was happening. He was tied off the trail, and he moved over a bit, and I just didn't see him. I just mm-hmm. didn't see him, and I ran right by him. And um, so, it does happen. So, are there any stories about horses getting away from where they were tied, and how do you find them, and what happens then? Um, well, it, yes, it, horses do break their ties. It happens. Um, I can speak from personal experience on a couple of couple of them. I tied a horse to something that I thought was there was a shrub, and what I ended up tying to because there were some leaves there. What I tied to was a dead branch within the shrub, but I mm-hmm. didn't realize it at the time. And the horse just he didn't pull, but he started to follow me when I ran away, and the branch just broke. I mean, it just broke off, and and he's trotting off down the trail but fortunately there were two other teams there on their horses and they just kind of stopped their horses and sort of blocked them and he he stopped and Mm -hmm. you know they waited until i caught him and tied him up again and most people will do things like that they're not going to take off right right (laughs) and and then watch your horse take off after them they're not going to another situation i had my my own horse um also broke a tie and and i kept running and running and running and i was pretty sure she'd broken her tie and she ran back to camp Oh, okay. That's where they well, usually she, end up going, I guess. They usually go back to camp. Yeah. Do you camp there the night before a ride, usually? Uh, it, usually. I'd say most of the time we do. We have some events that are so close by that we'll drive, drive out there the day of, but mostly we do it the, the night before. Yeah. So they've already, uh, the horses that know that's uh, home base and that's where they're going to go if they get loose. They know where it is and, and you know how they are. They always know where home base is. They know where the yeah. trailer is. I have a Houdini. That's why I'm asking these questions. He can untie himself from anything, and but he probably wouldn't run back to camp. He would just find the nearest yummy-looking bush and be there eating it for the <laughs> for that's, the remainder of until he got actually, caught. That's nice when nice when that happens. If they don't run back to camp, 
Yeah, no, he would just untie himself so he could eat. That's that's all he cares about, really. So where can people find out about Ride and Tie that's going on in their area if they want to try to get involved? The, the best place that anybody can go to is our website at www.rideandtie.org. Um, mm-hmm. The website has the race schedule, and, and the race schedule includes um, any practices that might be coming up. There's also a section on there um, about learning from a mentor. We have several folks um, who are uh, participants in the sport who, who get out their name and contact information on our website so anybody can call. You know where they'll live, so if somebody in your area, you can give us a call, and we'll go out and help introduce people to the sport, introduce their horses. And there's even a teammate request page on there so that if you're looking for a teammate, you can advertise your information, you know, get out your running strengths and riding ability, things like that, and advertise whether you're looking for a horse or not and which events you're interested in competing in so, so that um, people know, know that you're out there. So, and there, there's a lot of other great information on the website as well. You can also join the association, the Ride and Tie Association. It only costs $25 and you get the member newsletter and handbook, which also provide great information. Okay, well, what we'll do is uh, we'll put the uh, link to your website on our episode's notes page so that if anyone wants to, if they didn't catch that address, um, driving or whatever, we can have that on there so they can link to it. So it looks like we're out of time, but Melanie, I want to thank you for being my guest this uh, week. And thank you very much for having me. Sure, and um, if anybody has any questions or comments about horsing around or riding tie, please email me at audrey at petliferadio.com. Until next time, happy trails. Stop what you're doing and start horsing around. Every week on Pet Life Radio, horse expert and award-winning rider Audrey Pavia will be trotting out great tips on feeding, breeding, and more on everything equestrian. So set a spell and say hey to Audrey and get ready for a darn tootin' gallopin' good time. Every week on Horsin' Around, on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. 